We are in lesson number two of the journeys of faith, looking at various Bible characters and their faith journey. I don't know about you, but I love talking about faith. To me, faith is one of the subjects in Scripture that gets me the most excited because faith moves mountains. Uh, faith is, is what um, accesses God's, God's grace and God's, uh, God's miracles, really. You look at the New Testament, and oftentimes it was Jesus uh, asking them, be it so according to your faith. And that's an interesting thought, that God will do things according to our faith and, uh, and maybe not do things according to our faith. When I would do our training for our evangelistic team, we would take one every summer and we would do a week uh, called training week. And it was just nonstop training and teaching and all kinds of things. We had a lecture that I loved. It was my favorite lecture. It was called the faith lecture. And that's where I, I just challenged them about uh, how their faith would be stretched on the coming summer and, and how to, to grow in faith and to embrace the trial that is meant not to harm you, but to help you and to strengthen you. And uh, anyway, faith is exciting. And as we look at these different testimonies from Scripture, these different journeys of faith, I hope that God will stir our faith uh, through these. As we saw this morning, Haggai was used to stir the faith of God's people back to the work of God. And I'm praying that uh, these, these uh, snapshots into some Bible characters' lives will also accomplish the same purpose. God tested Abraham many, many times. And that's what we're looking at today. Uh, the journey to Mount Moriah, looking at Abraham. He was a man whose faith was tested several times, but he was also a man whose faith came through. Uh, the, the, the testing that he endured and the simple faith which, with which he responded is unbelievable. Uh, he went out to, uh, looking for a country that he'd never heard of, and, and uh, he followed God in the matter of Isaac. We're going to see that in a moment. Uh, he, he knew that God was for him, and he trusted God, and he knew that it was going to be okay, even if it meant uh, the possible sacrifice of his son. Abraham trusted God, and I, I trust that we, as our faith is tested, that we will also uh, uh, realize that God is not uh, trying to harm us. He is for us, and uh, if we look to him, he will not fail us. So the journey to Mount Moriah, we're looking at Genesis 22, Every single day of our lives, whether we know it or not, we either consciously or unconsciously make probably hundreds of decisions of faith. When I sit down on this, I am trusting it, which is something, because this one here actually, it actually has a, a swivel bottom on it, uh, so it's easy to tip over on this one. Uh, it's supposed to, I guess, keep your back limber. That's why I got this. But anyway, I sit down, I trust the chair. I get in my car and go on Little Liberty Road, which is totally icy right now, and you slip around, I'm trusting that I'm not going to hit Brad and Val as they're coming down Liberty Road to their house, which is just across from ours. Uh, you know, we trust people we don't even know. I'm hoping that they'll stay in their lane. I'm, ho I'm hoping I'll stay in mine. Uh, you get on an airplane, you're trusting pilots and mechanics and engineers you've never met. Uh, when you go to a restaurant... Will we ever go to restaurants again besides takeout? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. But uh, you go to takeout. Uh, you are trusting some cooks that you have never met. 
And if you have ever worked in the fast food industry, anybody in here work besides me? I worked in the fast food industry. Okay, a few folks. Uh, I've been on the inside, and I know things are not always as they should be <laughs> in, in those places. And yet I still go back, and I still go to restaurants. Um, one of the things that really hurt my faith in, in trusting restaurants was when I went to Cambodia uh, with uh, Matthew Weber, and the evangelistic team, and we met Tom Johnson, and he said, there's one authentic food uh, restaurant that I can take you to where you won't get sick. I was like, oh, that sounds good. We'd rather not get sick. So he took us to this little hole in the wall. You'd never even know it was there. And so we're eating this food, and, and it's doing interesting things to your taste buds, and you know, a lot of sensations. And I thought, well, before we go, I'll, I'll hit the restroom. And so Weber said, I'll go with you. And so we walked down this hallway. The hallway is just curtains, is all it is. And there's a curtain rod on top of it. And people, normal people aren't as tall as Matthew Weber and I. We're both about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, and we could see over the curtain. Well, over the curtain, this side is the restrooms. So we'll leave that alone. Uh, we didn't look over there. Over the curtain on this side of the hallway is the kitchen. And Weber, he looked over, he's like, Brother Barber, you got to see this. I thought, I don't know if I want to see this. I looked over. It was a horrible sight. Raw meat that flies and all of it and the smell. And we had already eaten our food. So anyway, uh, that did not do a lot for my faith. But you know, we went back and sat down with the group. We did not say a word. Everyone's still eating their food, loving it. Loving it. Oh, this is so good. Taking pictures and all this. We trust people. Bottom line, we trust people all the time. We walk by faith all the time. And yet, it is so hard sometimes to follow God's commands or to trust Him in a trial. Uh, we'll trust complete strangers, uh, doctors whom we've never met. We'll trust them with surgery, cutting us open, whatever else, or putting us out, hoping that they'll wake us back up, whatever um, and, and yet, God, we know he loves us. We know he has things under control. Uh, oftentimes, it is hard to, to trust the Lord. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, I don't think it's in the notes, but it, it might be in your notes, I'm not sure. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. <clears throat> and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Now that right there, I think we can all relate to this. There's a lot of things that God asks us to do where we don't know where we're going. We don't, we're taking a path and we don't know where it ends. I don't know about you, but I hate those paths. I, I want to know where I'm going. I want to know when I'm going to get there. I love the GPS. And in fact, it has handicapped me. Now I, I can't get home from, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I can't get home from anywhere without my GPS. I mean, I can. I just sometimes take longer routes and stuff. It's just, it's bad. But I like the GPS because it'll tell me when I'm going to get there. I don't know. I want to know. You plug it in and it says you're going to get there at 4.02 in the afternoon. Boom. I know where I'm going. I know when I'm going to get there. And I just know. Uh, Abraham was not given a GPS. He was just called to go to a place that he didn't know about. It was, it was his inheritance, and he was supposed to obey. He didn't know where he was going. Uh, so you're not the only one, all right? God has asked that of many, many, many before us. By faith, verse 9 says, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, 
dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He knew who was calling him. He knew who was building his future, but he didn't know what it looked like. He didn't know what the path looked like. This was a journey of faith. Uh, The word called in verse 8, it says when he was called to go out into a place. The word called uh, means to invite. Uh, In other words, God invited him on a journey of faith. Come trust me. Sometimes God does that with us. Uh, There's health things. We've mentioned some health crises here tonight. Uh, There's health journeys of faith. God says, come walk with me for a while. Uh, You don't know where this is going, but I do, and I want you to grow and I want you to get to know me on a deeper level. Come, and I'm going to invite you on this journey of faith. So he invited Abraham on a journey of, of faith. And Abraham, interestingly enough, his response is now maybe where we break rank a little bit. We all understand this being called to go somewhere you don't know where you're going. But where we uh, maybe uh, differentiate a little bit is he obeyed immediately. And it does not mention any delay it does not mention any question. not saying he didn't have a question, but it's not mentioned. It just simply says he was called at, uh, uh, to a place which he should after receive for inheritance, and he obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. That's hard. But I believe God was inviting him to a journey of faith where he would test him, he would prove him, and he would strengthen him in his faith. My kids are getting older now. I mean, they're not, they're not old, but I guess all of us are getting older, right? Uh, and the older ones, Samuel's the oldest, uh, he asks more questions. When they're little, it's just, uh, get in the car, we're going. And you get to the place and they realize, oh, we're going out with a friend. <laughs> they have no idea what we're doing. They just get in the car and, and surprise, we're at a friend's house. Uh, we've been talking about this all week and they still don't know until they get there. But you get older, like Samuel, you want to ask more questions, you want to know more details, and that's just how it is with life. The older we get, the more we want to see. And sometimes God says, no, I want you to go back to just trusting me like a little child. That simple faith. And he withholds information from us. And it's going to be okay because you're going to get to know him more. Uh, And your faith and your peace, you'll have to get from him. Uh, You know, if you knew all of the info of the journey and you knew there's going to be this and this and then you're going to get this letter and then you're going to get this diagnosis and then it's all going to work out and be fine, you'd just be like, oh, okay, let's go. It's going to be rough, but at least I know how it ends. Okay, let's go. What, What are you resting in? Where are you getting your peace? You're getting your peace from an outcome. And God wants you to get your peace and your rest from a person, from Him. Uh, The word obeyed in verse 8. This is coming from a Greek word, of course, uh, hupakuo. I think I said that right. Uh, And it means to listen, to hearken to a command, to submit to. He obeyed. We'll take all those. He listened. He hearkened to the command. He submitted to it. He obeyed. Trusting God for Abraham... Trusting God to provide him with a son was a big step of faith. Uh, To all human reasoning, this wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, It was humanly impossible. And yet, the strength of Abraham's faith 
is seen by his confidence and his quick, simple obedience. You know, what does he have to lose? Why not trust God immediately? What does he have to lose? God, uh, God called him. God could do this. Let's see what happens. Let's trust God. Our, our journey of faith is similar. Uh, our journey of faith oftentimes will lead us to the brink of impossible. And if it wasn't impossible, it wouldn't be much of a journey of faith. Uh, our confidence uh, is, is, is able to be stabilized in God as we grow deeper with him on these journeys. Abraham waited many years for God to fulfill the promise that he had given him uh, concerning a son. And it seemed that at this point, God waited too long. Uh, the promise was in Genesis 17, 16. I will, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Uh, kings of people shall be of her. This is not just a promise. This is you know, a very detailed promise. Uh, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Uh, so he had a hard time believing it initially there, but ultimately uh, he did trust God. And, but can you imagine being so old? Uh, I'm sorry, this is, the, this is not the original promise. This is the, the, uh, the, the, the um, second giving of this promise. You know, he's getting older and he's losing hope in, in this promise. And I think for us, many of us, uh, we, we can lose hope with things. You're praying for somebody to get saved who's a family member. You've prayed forever, and they just won't get saved. And, and you can kind of tend to just say, ah, I, I don't know about this, and we can give up. Um, uh, you, you could be praying for a specific health condition or a specific child or someone who's away from the Lord to come back to the Lord, a certain need, and the Lord allows it to go so long. And, and uh, he, he knows what he's doing. He's doing it because he wants to strengthen our faith. Uh, Isaac was God's promise, and God made good on his promise. He just wanted to not just give him a son, he wanted to give him a journey. And I think we need to recognize that. Uh, it's not just the, the, the answer that God's after. That's what we're after. Lord, give me a job. That's all I need is a job. Lord, give me good health. Fix this problem. That's all I need. For us, it's just the end. For God, he, he wants to give you the end and he wants to give you everything that you're going to glean from that journey of faith. Question for you here. What is something in your life that, you, that God has given you that you had to wait for where your faith was tested? Anybody, anybody think of something that you'd like to share uh, where you had to wait you prayed, you sought the Lord. Yes, right here. She points to her husband. That's good, amen. Amen, and worth the wait. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Eh? <laughs> but what, what a blessing, what a testimony. Uh, you know, you prayed, you trusted God, and in his timing, uh, you know, he brought Gary and brought the, both of you together and praise the Lord to the glory of God. And it's a journey of faith. I'm sure you can talk about that. I'm not going to put you on the spot necessarily to do that unless you wanted to, but uh, much to learn in regards to our walk with the Lord in these things.
Anyone else? Something that you waited for? Yes. Children. We waited for four years before we had a son. And we named him Samuel Isaac because uh, Samuel, for this child I prayed, and the Lord gave him. And then Isaac, well, here's, we're talking about Isaac, the promised child. And uh, Isaac actually means laughter. Did you guys know that? Yeah, Isaac, she laughed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, our Samuel's been laughing quite a bit ever since. Uh, yeah, they both laughed, exactly. Uh, but yeah, we, we waited. Now, we waited four years, and it seemed like 14 years. But Marilyn, how, how long did you wait? 17 years? Just looking kind of bad, I said, when we were married four years, it was worse. It was harder than when we were married 16. I got pregnant. It was 16 and a half years when I was pregnant. Got pregnant. And you settled. You got used to it. We were shocked and like, oh, no, this wasn't, we didn't think it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, but at four years, that was when it was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Harder, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys? Yep. Child that we had for, because we were married in 2000, had a child born in 2004. We, we were looking for kids right away, and um, of course, four, you know, almost four years later, here's Colin. But, but we had had, um, Cindy had had endometriosis, had surgery, and we were, we met with the, the head of the Department of Infertility at the U of M. And I'll never forget him, uh, what he said. He said, I give you my professional and my prefer- personal guarantee that you will never have a child. Here is your prescription. Here's a, well, here's a doctor paperwork. And then here's a prescription that you need to start on right away. And it's for birth control because that would slow down her endometriosis. And so it was, well, you know, he was like, for your own health, you need to get this prescription filled and start it right away. You're already too many months out from your surgery that she'd had. You really need to get started. We didn't have faith to do that, that that was what we were supposed to do. And so we, you know, I remember having a conversation about this and we agreed that, you know, and really, how do you do as a husband? You know, I'm asking you not to take something that's going to help protect your health, hmm. and that you are just advised by your by this physician to take. Hmm. Um, but I'm going to ask you not to do that. And uh, but we together we were in unity, and she didn't do that. Um, and ultimately, uh, from that time that he gave that, it wasn't much more than a month later that she was expecting Colin. And had we filled that prescription, we never would have experienced the blessing that God had for us. Wow. So. Definitely a tremendous testimony and also a, a test of faith. You, you, I'm sure you're wondering, is this the right thing? And I mean, there's so many uh, things on either side, but you follow the Lord and God bless. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's worth the journey and it's worth the wait uh, to, to just to, to, to trust that God is good and he knows what he's doing and, and look to him. That's good. Anyone else, something that you want to share on this, on this subject? I'm going to grab my water bottle real quick. Yes. Valkyrie, and 
I told him, you know, I'm working in Battle Creek, so I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to school in Minneapolis. And then I had a job offer from Beaumont Hospital in Detroit. So in 2017, I moved to Detroit, and I started working at Beaumont Hospital. And then I decided that spring, which was um, April of 2018, to that I could take the one-hour flight from the Detroit airport to Minneapolis. It's about a one-hour flight. And I was only living about 15 minutes from the airport. So I decided that it possibly was feasible to do the two-year doctoral program. And then um, I started it, and then I ended up moving back to Ann Arbor. And so I completed everything except for the what's called the capstone, or the final paper, this fall. And it's like I completed all the requirements for the program, and so right now I just have to finish my paper. And so that was something that had been started a long time, you know, all the way back with my first, my first um, contact with that school in 2002, mm. starting the program here, you know, 16 years later, and now here it is 20, 2021, mm -hmm. and I'm still finishing up something that I started in 2018. Yeah, well, praise the Lord. I never thought, I, I never thought I'd be able to do it from Michigan. Yeah. To, to complete school and fly there and back 40 times. Wow. To do the doctoral program in uh, Roseville, Minnesota, is just a little suburb outside of St. Paul in Minneapolis, and God just, it just kept opening the doors for me to, Amen. to make it work. Amen. So I just got this last thing yeah, and we're going to pray you through on that to finish that strong. But yeah, that's, that's a tremendous testimony. A 20 year ish education venture that God is, I'm sure, stretching your faith. In multiple ways, uh, these are all uh, all good testimonies uh, for for Isaac. I'm sorry for Abraham and Sarah. Isaac was their dream, and God didn't want to give them that dream right off the bat. He wanted to, to teach them about faith, and that would be their legacy that they would hand off to their their children. It's more important that we learn to walk by faith than it is for us to just get everything you know that we want right off. When we get it for my wife and I when we we were praying that we'd be able to have children um, and then we went to Ireland I said to my wife I said you know hon we're in evangelism now we're traveling the country <clears throat> we're flying to Ireland we have such incredible freedom to, to, to without kids and stuff you can just get up and go I said maybe <clears throat> the Lord this is what the Lord has for us and maybe we just need to surrender to it that God wants us to be flexible and free to come and go and and maybe kids are just not what God has and so we prayed about it and we just surrendered and then she got pregnant <laughs> like, uh, so I guess that's what the Lord wanted to teach us in that situation was uh, we just need to be surrendered to serve him and and then uh, leave, just leave that alone and uh, uh, and God took care of that in his time anything else I want to skip anybody all right uh, so there is a request from the Lord is your first point. <clears throat> Excuse me. As he is on this journey of faith, uh, the, the journey to Mount Moriah would be the ultimate test of his faith. Genesis 22, 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, 
Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, <clears throat> and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. So this, of course, is going to be an unthinkable request. Uh, and, and he's already walked by faith in m many respects, but this is the ultimate test <clears throat> of his faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but God knows what he's doing. So uh, oftentimes God does test us, and, and you see here that he, he called him to a journey of faith, and that was also a call to testing. And through the trial of this faith, it was going to be an opportunity for him to uh, prove, uh, the, for the Lord to prove his faithfulness to, to Abraham, that God can be trusted. A call to testing. God told Abraham to go to Moriah, which is about a three-day journey. <clears throat> uh, so this was not just some little thing. It's pack up, make provisions, three-day journey. Uh, and, and specifically, the Bible says that God tempted Abraham. Uh, the actual verse, let me get it back to it here. Uh, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Uh, what does that mean? Does God tempt us? What does that exactly mean? Thoughts on that? Because I know we think of the devil tempts us. We don't typically think of God tempting us. Absolutely. <clears throat> the Hebrew word has, um, there, there is, it's maybe broader than we just, we think of tempting often as a, a temptation to evil. But this word has the idea of proving, trying, testing. And so God's not temp tempting him in the sense of tempting him to sin. He is testing him and proving him to see if he'll continue to trust and continue to walk with him. Uh, James says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, ne neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So it is, it is not God that tempts us to sin. God's working to bring us closer to him, and this tempting or testing was one of the operations of God to bring him, uh, him closer and to stretch his faith, to draw him closer to God. First uh, Peter 1 7 says the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ uh, so the trying of our faith is not meant to break us and hurt us it's meant to to uh, make us into what God would have us to be at his appearing he's not done with us he is still refining us he is still burning off the doubt and unbelief and the chaff and so forth. So it was a call to testing for Abraham to go to Mount Moriah. It was also a call to sacrifice. <clears throat> Verse 2 again uh, mentioned, Take your son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and offer him for a burnt offering. He was to sacrifice that which was dear to him. I think there is an idea that we get of God and maybe it has to do even with Isaac and, and other stories that God is after what is most dear to you. He doesn't want you to have fun. If there's something that you really love, he's going to come and take it from you and, and so forth. Uh, that's not who God is, and that's not what, what he's all about. 
But there is a sense in which he will, he will sometimes ask for a sacrifice. He will uh, uh, touch certain things in our lives. Um, uh, it says here in verse 5, and he, Genesis 15, 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou shalt be able to number, number them. And he said, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So that was one of the original promises. Later we read the other one where he laughed and, and he, uh, he kind of was doubting at that point. But he had been promised this son. And, and he, he knew that this was a miracle that they had Isaac. And, and now he's being asked to, to sacrifice. Uh, why would God do this? So thoughts on this? Um, maybe God's asked you to sacrifice something. Maybe there's something that, uh, an, an Isaac in your life that God gave you and then seemingly took back. Thoughts you want to share on that as to maybe an illustration of it or why? What is God after when he, when, when he allows this sort of thing or, or, or asks for this sort of thing? Yes? I think sometimes if we're given something by God that we really love, it can become an idol. Absolutely. And the test is not whether God wants to take it away from you or not, but are you willing to let that have second place in your life? That's it. Nailed it. Absolutely. Um, the things that God gives us, he, he, the Bible says, no good gift will he withhold um, from them that walk apart rightly. And, and there's that idea that, that God loves to give good gifts to his children. If ye being evil know how to good gifts, good, good gifts, how much more your heavenly father. He loves to give good things to us. Taste and see the Lord is good. Um, and he'll give us blessings. He'll give us good things, but not so that we can make an idol out of them. That was never the purpose that we would take something that God gave us and love it supremely. And so sometimes God tests whether he, he, he say, well, God, you gave this to me. Why would you take it away? I prayed for this, and now you're taking it away. This makes no sense. Uh, yes? You've got a basketball in your suitcase, yeah. but where does it fit? Exactly. Very good. Yep. And, you know, you've got a son in your suitcase. Well, exactly where does that son fit? Uh -huh. Or name it, you know. Right. Yeah, I, I loved basketball. I mentioned that in my testimony. I loved basketball and trumpet and was living for both of those things. And I thought the Lord had given them to me. Why would you give me this, God, and then take it away? Well, it wasn't that he meant to take them away. He meant for them to be used appropriately in my God-called path. Uh, and they have been, I've used both of them ever since. I play with Brad once in a while. I haven't played since, whenever we played last, I don't know. The basketball shoes are not getting broke out very much anymore, but uh, the trumpet once in a while, uh, and it's, it's a blessing to be able to use what God gives you, but he does test whether or not we're going to latch onto these things. Other thoughts along that line, or something that maybe uh, where God gave you something? Yes? Number out of line is you've got to be first in your life, and he's going to put you on the spot to see, okay, you say, talk's cheap, show me what you're going to do. And you got to live it no matter what, and sometimes it's hard, and, and he has to show you an example. And just like a kid, you want it now, but there's a reason why it makes you hold off and wait. Mm -hmm. you got to have patience and wait for it in his time. But if you trust him and walk by faith, that ain't easy, it's hard to do. Right. 
Right. And it's just no matter what you say or what you do, it's okay, Lord. You told me you're going to do this. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold up and wait. Mm -hmm. like, he's opened my eyes with everything, with everything that's going on with Carol. Why is all this going on? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to trust you that you're going to get us through this. And he has. Amen. Absolutely. And, and it's just a walk of faith. Walk every day in life. And ask him first. Be a blessing to him every day. To do the right thing. To be pleasing to him. Mm -hmm. Not for yourself. Amen. Yeah, I, I, um, I've shared my testimony about leaving evangelism and uh, God called me into evangelism and gave me that burden, I, I believe gave me the gift and also just opened the way. Uh, you don't just announce, I want to be an evangelist and then your phone starts ringing and people say, "Will you? I heard you're an evangelist now, will you come preach for us? We've got this youth thing, we've got this revival meeting. You know, God has to open the door, God has to make that happen. Um, and, and so the Lord was making it happen for us, and for eight years we had a, a tremendous time, and, and I loved what I was doing. Didn't want to change anything. And yet the Lord, the Lord stopped that and, and redirected. In a sense, uh, the way I saw it then was took away, and I don't see that anything was taken away. Uh, it's just a different path and the same journey. It's the gospel ministry no matter where you go. It just maybe looks different here and there. So nothing was really taken away. At the time, I felt that it was being taken away, but now I would look back and say, if there was anything taken away, the only thing that was taken away would have been the idolatry side of it, where, where I, the, the, the ministry itself became so big to me. Uh, and and uh, you know, all that we had worked for and, and, and all that we had been able to accomplish, and I, I did definitely see there was a lot more of my ambition involved than I, I even... I remotely understood at the time. Uh, and so uh, God, God knew what he was doing. You, you look at it now, and um, we're a family of seven. My truck only seated six, right? So we were, we were headed to a little bit of a crisis there. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was what the Lord knew was, was the step for our family. He knew what was coming. He knew what was needed. And to me, it, at the time, it was this huge crisis uh, of, of, of faith, but also of this was something I was holding dear. It was an Isaac. And sometimes when God calls for Isaac, we don't want to give him up. Uh, truth is, the Lord didn't take Isaac from me. I mean, I'm still preaching the gospel. I'm still doing what I've been called to do. Uh, the Lord did not take Isaac. It felt like it, though. It felt like it at the time. Uh, but God was good. God was faithful. Anybody have something to share on that or personal testimony? If you have, I'd love to, love to hear it. I don't want to force it either, though. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews 11 again. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, of course, is the faith chapter. They call it the hall of faith. Hebrews 11, 11 says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and of him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. You know, one thing I think that's neat about Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, as it recounts all these heroes of faith, Abraham and Sarah being two of them. Uh, it does not mention all of the faltering 
all of the little doubts. It doesn't mention how Sarah laughed and, and Abraham laughed. It doesn't mention that Rahab, you know, he uh, doesn't go into her background. It just talks about her faith. Rahab, she walked by faith. Abraham and Sarah, they, uh, they, they trusted God. They judged him faithful who had promised. And that encourages me that though I have failed, faltered, my faith has been up and down and all over the place, ultimately, if I will land in that place of trusting him, that's what matters. That's what gets the, the work of God done. So the request from the Lord, a call to testing and a call to sacrifice. Uh, let's look at the re- response of obedience, number two there. Genesis 22 and verse 3, <clears throat> And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. I want to highlight that phrase, and come again to you. I don't, I personally don't want to think of that as he didn't really want to let these guys in on what was going on, so he was just going to be vague, and hey, we're just going to go up here, I'm going to kill my son, you know. No, no, we're going to come back. I, I think he was actually saying this in faith. That's what I think it was. I think he believed, he wasn't just leading them on. He really believed God's going to do something, we have a job to do, and then we're going to come back. And the reason I believe that is because of Hebrews eleven nineteen. I put it in here somewhere. Yeah, there it is. Uh, it says that accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That is what was in his heart. So he says, uh, we're going to go, me and the lad are going to go yonder and worship. You stay here. We're going to come again to you. In his mind, he was thinking, I'm probably going to have to kill him. But this is the promised child, so God's probably going to have to raise him. And I think we're coming back, and we're going to take this three-day journey home, and we're going to know what God did. That took some incredible uh, faith uh, to have that perspective. Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. It's kind of a cruel thing. Take the wood <laughs> it's going to be used for you. I mean, uh, they had to get it, get it up there, right? They didn't take the servants with them. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them a little, uh, both of them together. I, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. And, uh, you know, he had servants. He had a lot of servants. They, he, was, he was considered well off in his day. I don't think normally they would tell servants to stay down and we're going to climb all the way up by ourselves and do all of this heavy lifting. Uh, it'd be much easier to have the servants do that. Why did he leave them down? Well, again, this was a very vulnerable time in his life. He doesn't really know what's going to happen. I mean, he, he has some ideas. He's trusting God. But uh, it can be hard to walk by faith under the 
the eye of everybody, you know? He kind of wants, he kind of, <laughs> you guys stay on there. I, I got to go have a moment here, <laughs> a moment with the Lord. Uh, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and you wouldn't understand it anyway. So uh, they probably thought, what in the world? They're carrying wood? We're servants. We carry wood. Why are we down here? Something fishy is going on. He needed to be alone with God on this journey of faith. He needed to, to, to just uh, to, 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 to be able to focus on God without these distractions of other people and just hone in on what God was asking him to do. But notice that there was immediate obedience. <clears throat> uh, when God called Abraham, there was no hesitation. Abraham did not ask for a reason, just like when God said, go look for this country. It was immediate, no reason. He acted in complete faith and gathered everything needed to obey. And he prepared uh, Isaac to be offered on the altar. George Mueller said it this way. George Mueller was a man of faith, and I know many of you are familiar with him and maybe read some about him or some of his books or books about him. George Mueller said, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. And that's why faith is so scary. But that's also why faith is so exciting because you get to see God work and, and living in that, that arena of the impossible. I tell you, folks, that is the place to live. It, it, you might say, I couldn't live there all the time. Well, it would just be a place of, of uh, anxiety train wreck. No, no. Uh, people who live in the arena of faith have learned also to rest in the Lord and have learned to anticipate what God's going to do, and it, it is exciting it's an exciting life, a life of faith. Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We're supposed to live in that arena, that, faith, that arena of faith where it is simply uh, impossible every day, and yet we're seeing God uh, bring us through. You notice here a calmness with Abraham. It seems to be that way. I mean, it doesn't go into painting a picture if he was sweating and shaking and everything like that. But from everything it gives us, he definitely seems to be cool and collected and calm. And he gives the clear instructions to the, to the servants. He gives clear instruction to his son. And he's even open with his son. Uh, that had to have been interesting. <clears throat> what was this due to? How can you be calm when you are literally walking on water? Uh, it's his total trust in God. It was his trust in God. He had a relationship. And so here's something just to, to I guess, throw out by word of application here. In these journeys of faith, we need to learn to maybe um, stop and take note when there are times where we are just totally losing it. You know, we're, we're losing our mind, losing our peace, losing sleep, losing our appetite, just totally losing it. Those are opportunities where God is, is giving us a little um, dash, uh, dash, what's the, thank you, a signal on your dashboard, uh, check engine, check engine. Uh, only it's not check engine, it's, it is trust me, trust me, you're, you're, you're not passing this test the way you should. And I'm not saying I always do. I've failed those many a time. Uh, but I think you can tell that Abraham is doing okay so far in this journey of faith. He's staying calm. He is trusting the Lord. He is remaining at rest.
let's let these situations be that warning light uh, for us as we move forward. Uh, D.L. Moody said, I prayed for faith and it did not come. But, I went, but when I read the word, then faith came. If you don't have faith, if you're, as I said, losing it in a certain situation that's testing your faith, get back in the word. Let your faith be stirred by the word of God. Abraham trusted the words of God and acted in obedience upon those words. And again, what's his legacy? Back to Hebrews 11. His legacy in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You know, Abraham and his faith and his sacrifice or willingness to sacrifice and so forth reminds us of what? Yeah. And even the, even the words. Uh, how does it put it there? Uh, he offered up Isaac, his only begotten son. Sounds like John 3.16, <laughs> you know. Um, and God raised him back up too, right? Now, in, in, in Abraham's case, he didn't have to raise him back up because he didn't, he didn't take his life in the first place. But that is what he was, he was trusting. He had never seen a resurrection. He's thinking, well, I'm about to. Uh, but but uh, he, he continued to trust that God was good and that God was worthy. And so he obeyed. There was immediate obedience. There was also faithful obedience. <clears throat> Abraham reminded his son that God would provide a sacrifice for the offering. That to me is... I'm just thinking as a dad. That is hard. Um, I, was, uh, I was watching a little short video clip uh, concerning uh, the, these, this family. They had several kids. I don't know how many kids, maybe four or five kids. And uh, I, I believe they're, they're Christians, uh, you know, from what was said in the video. And one of their children... Uh, got sick, and, and they had the horrible job of sitting down and telling their child that they were going to die. Uh, I've never had to have that talk. I cannot imagine having that talk with my kid. Um, and uh, some, some don't have that talk. They just say, you know what, we're just not going to let them know, <laughs> you know. But these, these parents said, no, uh, we, we want to be open with our son and tell him that you're sick, there's something that can be done, and, and uh, we're going to, they had this talk, and um, uh, I, I, I think about that, I say, boy, how, how do you have that talk with your kid? Abraham is having that talk with his kid. Uh, you're going to die, but don't worry. God... Uh, uh, um, God, God's got this. God's going to provide a sacrifice. I mean, I'm, I'm going up here to, to, kill, to kill you. <laughs> and God's going to figure it out one way or another. Either he's going to provide a sacrifice or you'll come back from the dead or something, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And, and you know, um, uh, a, a true faith in the Lord and only a true faith in the Lord can help a parent in that sort of, of a situation to be able to have a talk where you're, where you're talking to your kid about something that uh, you've never done before. You know, I, I've never died before. 
I've never, <laughs> I, I can tell my kid, all right, we're going to ride a bike. I've been here. You bump your knee, you get back on, and you ride the bike, and, and we'll drive a car or whatever. There's so many things I can, I can, I can teach my kid, hard things maybe even, uh, but I've been there. There are some things where we haven't been, and we, we have to still trust God. These, this is faith. This is the realm of the impossible. But God is big enough even for these circumstances. Abraham obeyed God. He was confident that he could obey the Lord and he could, and he could lead his, his son in that, in that walk of faith. It's interesting, he did not leave Isaac out in the cold. Come up with all these, um, what do I say it? Parental, publicly, culturally accepted lies. Why is it that, that like parents and grandparents are allowed to lie to their kids and it's okay because you're a parent and, and uh, you can't be honest with the kid right now. He'll flip out and lose his mind. So we're going to tell him this. Um, my wife and I were at the zoo and there was this kid who was losing his mind because they were, the mom was moving him from the splash pad of the zoo uh, and, and uh, she was, I can't remember all this stuff, but she was lying to him one right after the next. And then she's with her mother, so it's mom and grandma. And while the kid is distracted, they're talking about the next lie to get the kid off the splash pad so that they can coerce him to where they're trying to go. I was like, oh, man. So that's now parenting 101, and that's okay. That's like culturally, socially acceptable. You don't want the kid to have a meltdown, so we will lie to him. That's not what, what Abraham did. He invited Isaac in on this impossible journey of faith. He told him exactly what's going to happen. But he said, don't worry, God will provide a lamb. This is not just an example of obedience, but he remained faithful in the, the obedience and that God would be faithful as well. He was confident that God, God was going to do, do the work. Uh, faith will turn you into an optimist. And optimists are not just happy thought people, Okay. Fruity, happy thought people. Uh, no, this is much deeper than just thinking happy thoughts. Uh, but there is this quote here about Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary to Burma. He was lying in a filthy jail cell with 30-some pounds of chains on his ankles. He was tied to a bamboo pole. And another prisoner says to him, Dr. Judson! What about the prospect of the conversion of the heathen now? And his instant reply was, the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. And it's not just optimism. That's what faith will do to you. Faith will, will, will help you to, to have that, out, uh, that uh, outlook that God can do this. God's at work. I wonder what he's up to now. Uh, I've mentioned that before. Uh, Tom Johnson is one of those who has really convicted me about that. Something terrible happens, and he's like, wow, I wonder what God's going to do this time. I'm just like, that's not what I'm thinking right now. I'm sorry. I'm thinking, I can't believe this happened. Okay, but Hebrews 11 again, verse 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
This is faith. It's not just happy thought optimism. It's not just, as they say today, positive energy. What is positive energy? I don't even know what that is. But um, some of these folks are actually getting close. They just need God to make all of their stuff make sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it, it, truly, how do we do this? How do we have this uh, faithful obedience like Abraham? Uh, you, you, you simply are, it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of where you're looking. So Adoniram Judson, when he is tied up to a bamboo pole with shackles around his feet, he's not looking at that. He is looking to God. That, that is how. It's a matter of perspective and focus. The focus of your vision has got to stay fixed on the God that is bigger than whatever's going on in your life. Amen. It's about trusting God and not losing sight of his vision. We're almost we're out of time. I've got to hit the last one. So the result of faith. This one is a little shorter. Well, it will have to be. So does God just try to see how much pressure we can handle before we snap? Is that what it is? No. He's testing us to build our faith, to make us stronger, to, to make us deeper, to love him more, to know him more. If you never go through a trial, you just won't get to know God as deep. And you know it, you've been through trials with certain people in your life. There's nothing like going through a trial with someone to bring you closer to that person. Uh, there's a couple of folks, uh, a, couple of, a couple of people at, at my Bible college that uh, the Lord allowed them to go through a similar trial at the same time and fused them. Uh, God can do that through trials, and he wants to fuse us with, him, with himself. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 1, 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are of, uh, in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. That's a wordy way of saying God's going to give you something that you're able to give to someone else. And what you're getting from me, the comfort you're getting from me, you're going to be able to pass on to another. Abraham prepares to sacrifice. In Genesis 22, 9, they came to the place where God had told him of. Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Wow. He was going to go through with it. And God said, nope. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the hev heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee, thy seed, as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. You know, one thing to remember about this matter of faith is that faith does not just bless you. It's not just your journey. It was a blessing to Isaac and to all of the offspring and ultimately to all nations. We are still enjoying the blessing of Abraham's decision to believe God. That is amazing to think of that. Do not for a moment ever underestimate what your faith means to the world 
not just to your family, certainly to your family, but to what God is doing, your decision to trust him or to not trust him could be uh, life-changing for so many people for, for so long. So are we willing to serve the Lord as, uh, with the, the things in our life that we hold dear? Are we willing to sacrifice things that we would call our treasures uh, if called upon God to do so? And are we willing to submit to and trust our Savior? Uh, so Abraham prepares to sacrifice and God provides a replacement is the final uh, uh, point there. The angel of the Lord called to him and he says, Here am I, lay not thy hand on the lad, neither do anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. And he lifted up his eyes, verse 13, there was a ram caught in the thicket by the thorns. He went, took the ram, offered the ram. And what did he say? He called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. What does that mean? You guys know this, right? The Lord will provide or has provided in this case. God will provide. And so as we are going through a test of faith, a journey of faith, we need to focus on Jehovah Jireh. Uh, you know, have tunnel vision if, it, uh, if you can to make sure that you're, you are uh, not allowing all the other distractions to weigh you down, but you're saying, no, God's bigger than this. God can provide. He will provide. I'm trusting him to provide. And don't lose your joy. Luther Bridges. Does anybody know that name? Pastor Luther Bridges. He wrote the song, He Keeps Me Singing. You all know that song? He Keeps Me Singing. It's a great, happy song. Uh, I did not realize he wrote this during a time of heartache. He and his family went, it was 1900, I think. Uh, okay, not, yeah, early 1900s. He was in Kentucky, and they went over some rough Kentucky roads to Grandma and Grandpa's house, got in late, and uh, everybody went to bed, and don't know what happened, but the neighbor saw the house on fire. The neighbor came over, and everyone was sound asleep from a, t a hard journey. Grandma and Grandpa got out. Pastor Bridges got out and thought his wife and three boys had gotten out to come to find out they were still in. And so he ran back to go get them and the, the flames in the house collapsed and they were not able to rescue his family. And so his wife and three boys all died in that home. And you look at it, you say, I mean, they're, they're serving the Lord. He, he's a pastor in Kentucky. They go to see grandma. I mean, why would God do this? I mean, give him a break, give him a nice vacation. How in the world would the Lord allow this? But he remembered the promise in Job 35.10, which says, But none saith, Where is God my maker, who giveth songs in the night? And that is when he wrote the song, He Keeps Me Singing. Uh, and next time you read, and next time you sing that song, remember that this was written by a man who was singing that song uh, through the most incredible heartache. He kept his focus on the Lord. Abraham kept his focus on the Lord, and that enabled him to see God deliver. Let's, let's continue through the journey. God is looking for people who will trust him completely. Abraham was not perfect. His faith did falter, but ultimately his faith remained on the Lord. 
and uh, uh, we, can, we can follow that example by the grace of God. Let's ask God to help us to be men and women of faith on our journey to Mount Moriah. What is the Isaac that God may be asking of you? Submit, surrender. God is not trying to take things from you. He's really trying to give you everything in him. He wants to be first. Let's trust him. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the journey of faith that Abraham took and the blessing that we are still experiencing from it even today. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us in this week as we fa face testing and trial and, and hardship, Lord, that we would uh, just put you first and keep, uh, keep our focus on you. Lord, knowing that you can keep us singing regardless of what happens. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we can walk by faith. This is where life gets exciting. And well, Lord, we look forward to seeing what you are up to in our lives and that you'd be glorified in us. In Jesus' name, amen.